1: Live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York's Times Square, this is Fast Money. I'm Scott Wapner, and tonight for Melissa Lee, your traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Joe LaVornia, Christian Fromhertz, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, getting high. Tesla shares crossing that 420 mark as the stock blazes to a new record. So where does it go from here? We'll get some answers. Plus, today's mystery chart, it's the best-performing stock in the S&P 500 this year. Why? The options market is betting on even more gains in 2020. And later, with just hours left until Christmas, we're unwrapping some last-minute stocking stuffers for names you might want to put on your list. But we do begin with the big news of the day. Boeing shares getting a pop as the company fires its CEO. Let's get right to Phil LeBeau in Chicago with those details. Phil. Scott, this is how it went down. The Boeing Board of Directors met over the
2: weekend. It was via conference call. And on Sunday night, the Boeing Board said, you know what, we've had enough of Dennis Mullenberg. So they reached the decision on Sunday night to fire him effective immediately. And basically, it comes down to this. A couple of things have happened in the last two months that the board said we've had enough. The broken FAA relationship, which we've talked about, and halting 737 MAX production. That's a monumental decision that Boeing reached last week, one they've never had before, where they voluntarily shut down a production line. So the new CEO is the former executive chairman, Dave Calhoun. He now takes over as CEO and president, effective on January 13th. What's his game plan? It's pretty straightforward. Rebuild the FAA relationship, and to that end, he called the head of the FAA this morning. He said, look, we welcome rigorous oversight. Also, a reset for the 737 MAX. That doesn't mean redoing all the work, but it does mean sitting down with the engineers, all the key people involved at Boeing, and saying, where are we? What realistically can we expect? What do we need to improve? What do we need to change? And then finally, repair airline confidence in Boeing. And to that end, when I talked with Dave Calhoun just a month ago, About the 737 MAX, he alluded to the fact that getting the MAX back into service is job number one for this
3: company. It's not over when it's certified. There's no victory in that, right? We have to get the airplanes that our customers have put on the ground. We have to get them back in the air. We have to assist them every step of the way. And we have to get the airplanes that we've built and are ready for delivery to customers back in the air as well. That's a long program. It's at least a year, and it's a tough, uh, important task.
2: As you take a look at shares of Boeing over the last uh, couple of weeks, uh, last month, look how it was under pressure there, trading all the way down into the uh, 320s for a, a brief couple of days. Keep in mind that the airlines are, right now, they're expecting the 737 MAX to be recertified, likely by early spring, Scott. But again, nobody is counting on that. There's no timeline that is out there. Those timelines, those are a thing of the past. We saw those constantly under Dennis Mullenberg. We are not going to see that under Dave
1: Calhoun. Yeah, you reported as well today, Phil, that Calhoun's already working the phones.
2: Yes, actively. And it's not just him. He has Stan Deal, the head of Boeing Commercial Airplanes, uh, along with Greg Smith, the CFO, Tim Keating, who's in charge of government relations out of D.C. They were all on the phone. With airline CEOs, the head of the FAA, that was who Dave Calhoun called today, amongst other people, uh, they were talking with members of Congress. I mean, they realize the damage that has been done over the last nine months. And at a minimum, what they're saying today is, we realize what we've done wrong. We're going to turn the page. We're going to improve. And it's not going to happen overnight.
1: Nobody's expecting it overnight. But at a minimum, they have changed their tenor and tone. All right. We appreciate it, Phil. Thank you. That's Phil LeBeau for us you in bet. Chicago. So. Is this the catalyst Boeing needs to
4: stage a turnaround in 2020? Guy Adami. Welcome, Scott. Thank you very much, Guy. Great to have you here. It's great to be here. <laughs> well, is it, so I know you watch this show religiously, and we've been saying for quite some time, that, listen. The way the stock has traded since this happened back in March, 3.75 has been the upper end of the range, <clears throat> 3.20 or so the lower end. And I know categorically we said the stock will probably trade down to that August 14th low, which is 3.20. That's what happened, and it happened on significant volume. So is it to turnaround? No. But can this get us back up to 3.50 or so, which is a 50% retracement of the move we've basically seen now, for nine months, yes, this doesn't change anything, in my estimation, in terms of the Boeing story, but it has been a great trading stock, and oh, I does, still think there's right. room to the Well, to your side. point, it doesn't get the planes no. back in the air quicker, but you have to you had they had to do something
0: well they had to do something and so the irony is as Phil pointed out part of the the reason for the firing may have also just been the the, 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 the grounding of the max uh, production schedule but in fact the the whole thing seems like it was about placating the FAA and that the FAA was 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 really offsides in terms of how they they interpreted Boeing's actions here and that Mullenberg was the guy so um, I don't think that today's announcement does anything to change the trajectory of the 737 pun not really intended but in terms of getting uh, back into production. I I don't think that this does anything in terms of the fundamentals of the company. I think this is actually what had to be done. I think Larry Kellner coming in also in the chairman's role, uh, you talked about and Phil talked about working the phones all day. Look, this is the ex-CEO of Continental Airlines. This is a guy who certainly knows what the customers need to hear. He's a guy that's going to help repair that brand. So um, I think they're doing everything they're supposed to do. This is also a very proactive move by this board um, when a lot of people felt they should have been proactive months ago. So uh, good news for the stock that really has done nothing for eighteen months.
5: Yeah, this, this thing's been such an overhang for the economy too. It has uh, definitely has hurt. Um, GM strikes another factor, but I wonder, just from a consumer standpoint, would would you fly the seven thirty seven Max? I mean, it's probably a question we've all asked. I mean, I, that seems to be the bigger issue. Well, I- whether it's safe, would you fly it? Yeah, I'd fly it. I'd fly it. Look, if, if this thing's back
0: into production and I think it's ready to roll, I think, and most of the airlines out there, with the exception of, you know, Delta gets a lot of points for, for having moved forward with, with, with Airbus, really, I think, more tactically. But, yeah, I, I don't, I, look, I, I realize that there are a lot of folks that think that structurally you get into the, the MAX and where there have been issues with this plane, have they solved them? Um, I, I don't think the safety issues right here and now for the stock price are at all part of what's going on.
6: I mean, I I think it's also interesting that if the 320 level holds, you know, it really depends on your time frame for this stock. This is something that's going to be going on for, for a long time. The other thing that I would note, too, is that when you look at ETFs, the diamonds, it's, a, it's the largest weight in the diamonds. So if you're adding to your 401k, your IRA, you know, you're really getting, you're, you're essentially buying the dip in the stock. It's also around a 1% weight in the SPY. So if you own those types of things, you own a little Boeing. Right there are now. residual impacts,
1: too. You know, stocks like GE, uh, a customer of Boeing, for example, was was specifically noted in Stephen Mm Tuza's, you know, research last week is as one of the reasons why he can't yet get bullish on a name like GE is because of the overhang on Boeing. So it's not just a Boeing story. There are other companies making components and, and other things that go into these jets that you need to get get back uh, in the air. Yeah, I think that's a for fair reason.
4: point. I mean, and he saw, that Stephen saw, as a $5 price target on last I looked, I think he was on your show a week or he so was. ago. So, and I listen, I can't say it's going to five, but I think it's going to go probably to eight before it goes to 12 and a half. But that's another conversation. In terms of your point, though, I mean, a Spirit Aerospace, for example, symbol is SPR. On a day that Boeing's up as significantly as it is, you would have thought just tangentially this stock would be up percent and a half, two percent. It was up maybe four-tenths of a percent. I think that's telling you something. So although you're seeing a relief rally in Boeing that can last, I think the problems that they face are still out there. What is it telling you, Guy? tells me that the stock is going to trade between this 320 and three seventy five range, but I think the long term is this stock probably pushes back in my opinion to the December low, which was i think two and ninety five you so. that a warm body in the seat yeah. doesn 't get the plane in the air right. tomorrow either
5: there was, so, a, there, there was an analyst on earlier today uh, from Jeffries, I believe on CNBC and uh, was saying two hundred and seventy five was her price target if the max doesn 't come back into service, it would be bought by the military but they would get something for it, but obviously not the full amount. But the, your point,
0: Scott. Also, so first of all, GE Aviation is is going be the best part of GE, and if that's going to be impaired, there are certainly some some impact. I, I don't. Again, I don't think today's announcement does anything to change the schedule of when the max is back out there. Of the analysts that I read, uh, nobody really adjusted. Uh, I heard everything from from you know kind of March to April uh, to people there being more conservative in the middle part of the year. But but I think people have already, and I mean investors, and I certainly mean analysts, have already begun to do the impact on. free cash flow and the impact on leverage. Those are the things you should continue to be watching. Net leverage of the company went from being not even a factor in a company that was spinning off free cash flow like it was going out of style. Um, but the other thing that you're starting to hear about is to what extent is is Boeing now really needing to be looking at innovation? And a company that we thought had overcome so many structural kind of uh, you know practical issues they, they dealt with for years in terms of not finishing planes on time and, and actually having some questions about how innovative they're going to be. That may be coming Back into the forefront. That was not an issue for three years as this company really re-rated.
1: I'm even thinking about sort of like Wells Fargo-ish type things where you, you know, the the CEO who was on watch when the crisis happened is out, and then the next person doesn't necessarily have the job for all that long either. So there's a lot to develop still in this story. I'm thinking, you know, Tim Sloan is not the CEO of Wells Fargo today. Uh, You know, this gentleman, Calhoun, has been around the company. Who knows where all this is going to shake out?
0: Yeah, I, I think you're right, but I, I don't think anyone should expect this to be a short CEO, uh, you know, tenure. I, I think, I think, you know, two to three years. I was reading Hunter K. At Wolf. That's his call. I mean, this is a, a practical, a responsible response. I believe were his words in terms of what you're supposed to do here. You bring the chairman down to the CEO's role. You have continuity, and, and then you bring a guy into the chairman's role who basically comes from big airlines, and I think that makes a lot of sense.
1: All right. Well, if you've been watching the show, you'll remember our next guest called for Mr. Mullen. To step down months ago. Let's bring in Ernie Arvey. He is president of the Air Insight Group. Ernie, welcome back.
7: Uh, thank you. My pleasure.
1: Any surprises by what happened today?
7: Uh, I don't. I don't think so. It's uh, it, it happened, uh, you know, in the season right before Christmas, which is never when you want to see something like this this happen. But uh, I think it's a uh, it's a, a strong move uh, by Boeing to at least have have a scapegoat here, uh, Mr. Muhlenberg. Uh, wasn't uh, getting the message through with the FAA and with some of the international regulators and customers. And I think those uh, negotiations all were going sour. And then we had what perhaps was the final straw, the, uh, the failure of the Starliner space capsule over the weekend to, to dock with the space station. And uh, just the, uh, the add-up of all of these failures that have happened uh, have... Uh, Maybe that was the last straw for the board
1: yeah, so what's it all mean now uh, now that calhoun's in is he is he the right person? There is some suggestion and pushback that they should have gone completely outside, just given the the culture of of what 's transpired and how this could have happened in the
7: first place i think they, I think it might have been uh, wise to go outside if it were my choice I would, I would do that, but uh, you know Calhoun certainly has a has a strong background in private equity, but he's also been a shareholder shareholder value disciple from his uh, from his executive time at GE. Uh, certainly, his uh, private equity is shareholder value-driven. And he's going to need to change the culture, but he's been associated with this culture as a board member for the last 10 years. Uh, so it's tough to, to change something that you've, you've done. But fundamentally, this new CEO has to communicate with engineers on a knowledgeable basis, uh, instill innovation back into the Boeing culture, which uh, really hasn't happened as much over the last couple of years. And that may result from the cash flow on the 787 debacle when that uh, program went into uh, financial overdrive. But they've, they've had the money to, to innovate, but they've spent it uh, primarily to, to increase the stock price on shareholders. Yeah. Uh, if you're a shareholder, Ernie,
1: if, if, over- I, if I could just jump in, if you're a shareholder tonight, should you feel better about Boeing?
7: Uh, I feel about the same as I, as I did. I feel a little bit better in terms of the, uh, the potentials and at least a recognition of the problem. The question is now, can they, can they solve the problem? And the jury's out until we see what happens. Uh, certainly, uh, he said a number of the right things in terms of transparency and communication, and I think that's important. I think, uh, you know, Larry Keller is the, uh, as the as the chairman can certainly communicate with airlines on a on a peer to peer basis, uh, given that he ran Continental, so I think you've got a a resource there that's uh, that's certainly useful. Uh, but it's really the culture at Boeing that has to uh, that has to change. Uh, an engineer who uh, who has a safety issue has to be able to go back up to the chief engineer and say, "Hey, I'm not budging on this one. Uh, back me or." Or, or I'll go public. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's a question of how far can you go and how far can you uh, can can you push things within the, within the culture. And uh, Boeing has called that uh, called that back for the engineers, and they're a little bit frustrated. I think it's a group in Seattle.
1: Yeah, Ernie, we appreciate your insights. Thanks for being with us once again, Ernie, for nice thank
0: joining us there. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I'm reading Ernie's notes, too, and where he was getting at in terms of he's talking about the culture. He's really been t- – he, he would have wanted to have seen a, a dividend cut and a company focus on, on their product line. So that's a bigger story here that I think we may start to hear more about. Okay. We're just getting
1: started here on Fast Money. Up next, Tesla is kicking into high gear. That stock finally crossing the infamous 420 level. But – Will those gains go up in smoke? And later, one of Wall Street's biggest bulls says this record rally is showing no signs of stopping why BTIG's Julian Emanuel sees another 7% upside for your money in the new year. We're live from Times Square in New York City tonight, and there is much more Fast Money right after this.
8: You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.
1: Welcome back to Fast Money. Tesla topping the tape today. The stock surging to a new all-time high, crossing that $420 level It is the magic number where Tesla CEO Elon Musk once said he'd take the company private. As we all know now, that didn't happen, and that's probably not happening. But we did hear from Mr. Musk today. He tweeted, quote, whoa, the stock is so high, lol. So, all the wee jokes aside, with Tesla at record levels, is there more room
4: to run? Now, this stock has just exploded in the last three months. So I will tell you, the first half of this year... I think we did a decent job. That move from you know three fifty to one seventy five. This, sh- oh, this okay. show, I don't speak week. in. <laughs> I, I'm not an I person. I speak in the context. Of, I'm. I when I'm wrong, so and sure I'm about clear. to what say, about by here. the way, but I have been dead wrong now for the last literally two hundred dollars. You know, one seventy five. Dan Nathan came on the show and talked about how the sentiment had gotten so bad it was worth a look, and he was right. I thought maybe we'd get to two twenty five, two thirty. That was correct. Now, here we are $200 later. So it's somewhat disingenuous of me <laughs> to come on here and say you sell it again because I've been wrong for so long. As I said, you before? It, <laughs> no, it's, but you have to give that, you have to put that out there. You can't just it, speak it, in a vacuum. Well, but I think it's, I mean, look. Has it gotten ahead of itself? Without question. I thought that $100 ago. And with this stock, there's probably no stock where
0: it's more important to acknowledge whether you've been right or wrong. And it doesn't really matter. But certainly I've been 220. I'll give you all up your $200 wrong. I've been wrong for 220. Um, The thing about this move to me that that doesn't necessarily change a negative view is that... Everything that's been a catalyst to moving the stock higher here, uh, there's really not a lot of detail around, including, again, who's going to fund uh, this, battery, this battery business. Um, I want to see profitability. And then, a- as I've said, two quarters into a complete change in the fundamentals on the balance sheet and free cash flow, I would have to reassess. Um, but to me, uh, everything from the mass exodus departures to uh, profitability, which has come down, CapEx, which has come down, the only thing that's gone up is the stock price. And I'm you're, wrong.
1: You're an options guy, right? I am. Is, is the better play here an options play rather than a stock play?
6: I mean, I like the stock play. I mean, if you, look at the, if you take a step back and look at the daily chart, the weekly chart, I mean, the stock, as you guys have said, has been trading in a range for a long time. I like breakouts. So mm-hmm. has it gotten a little bit too far? I mean, it has really broken out very quickly. So I think if it comes back in a little bit, if it back and fills, I think there's your opportunity. But it is what it is. It spent so much time in that range, I think, breaking out here is a good thing. And I don't necessarily want to fade that, but I think it could come in a little bit.
5: I'm you, to you guys talk. Well, I mean, it seems to me that this is a, uh, a high beta on the market. So if you love the market, we're going to talk about the market. Everybody's so bold up on 2020, That's then you fair. think the, all these names are going to do well just because they're highly leveraged to the, the broader market and the economy. And I think the economy, by the way, is going to do great. Next we don't week. have you here just to talk about GDP, bro. But not no, surprising, a very
0: salient point, because stocks, when there's zero cost of capital, you, you kind of get these kinds of responses
5: when fundamentals don't line up. Where are the bonds? Tra- I haven't mean, look, where are the bonds trading on Tesla?
4: That's we should I bring mean, in like the Bond in 10 King. Points. They've
5: rallied.
0: They've rallied. They've okay. rallied. They've see
4: more new. But quickly, to Christian's point about the back and fill, that comes in the form of about 388, which was the previous all time high back in June of 2017 for you home gamers out there. All right. Well,
1: for more on Tesla's record run, head to our website, CNBC.com. Here's what else is coming up on Fast.
7: Markets may be at record highs, but one sector is far from seeing its best days. But will energy play catch up in the new year? The chart master breaks it down. Plus, Apple's got a new biggest bull on Wall Street. We'll find out just how high this stock can go. That and much more when Fast Money returns.
8: Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place?
1: All right. Welcome back to Fast Money. What a difference a year makes. Tomorrow marks the one year anniversary of the Christmas Eve market collapse. The S&P 500 plunged two and three quarters percent, briefly slipped into a bear market. Look how far we've come. The S&P up 37 percent since then, hitting new all time highs. And our next guest says more records are on the way. BTIG's chief equity and derivative strategist Julian Emanuel sees the S&P 500 hitting 3450 next year. I can't even believe I'm going to read this next number. It says (laughs) you think we could even approach 4,000 on the S&P 500 next year. Mr. Bull, nice to see you.
9: Great to be here. Under the right set of circumstances, we can. What's fascinating to us is that, you know, you you teed us up previously, one of the biggest uh, bulls on the street. We're only looking, as our base case, 7 percent upside. And what's amazing is that when you look at the past history of years following good years like Mm -hmm. 2019, the average return is over 14 percent. That's the kind of ingrained, really, defensiveness that we've seen the entire year leading stocks higher and then we still think there's plenty of going into 2020 but how many of those following years happen to
1: fall in an election year a lot going on next year especially in the second half can market can withstand all of that
9: there is a lot going on um we certainly think that the runway is reasonably clear in the first half. If you look today, I think we could all argue that, uh, that given the rally that we had the last couple months, the market is overbought on a very short-term basis. But when we look at things like the, the hedging structures going out past the election, the profound sort of fear of, of you know, a good economy, uh, politics that seems to be working in the favor of creating economic upside... It seems sort of irrational to us in a lot of ways. What
1: about earnings though? I mean, all of the things that you said are working, earnings exactly not aren't exactly working.
9: Well, You better have earnings. And we think you do. We're looking for slightly under 7% growth, really consistent with sort of, you know, a a stabilizing global GDP scenario, uh, places where, you know, Europe, things seem to be looking a little bit better politically. Obviously, the U.S. and China looking better. USMCA uh, about to go into effect. Um, It's really sort of normal when you take the last two years into consideration, you know, a juiced year from tax... And then this past year, which was too difficult to comp versus uh,
5: the previous. So let me
1: uh, let me ask the economist here at the table for does that seven percent earnings growth sound reasonable to you? Yeah,
5: sure. I mean, uh, this year's earnings were lousy for reasons you mentioned. The market did great. The economy next year expansion. could It was all multi Yeah, but expansions. economy next year could grow three percent nominal. Could do five. Corporate profits could do ten. I mean, I, I'm pretty upbeat. I mean, look, the Fed pivoted. Uh, all the internals of the market are telling you that the economy should do better. The cyclicals advancing, industrials, yield curve steepening. So, I mean, if the economy does well, that is also going to remove the political risk because the unemployment rate could be at 3% next year. If the economy grows at 3, I can make a good case unemployment rate ends the year at 3. And I would say that if the economy is going
9: to grow at 3% next year, and remember, consensus is right now around one8 1, 1.9, we're looking for 1.9. That's a recipe where you don't even necessarily need, uh, you know, the investing public to, you know, quote, unquote, fall in love with stocks again.
0: That's going to get us uh, well beyond our price. target. Everything you guys just said sounds like a recipe for the Fed. I mean, it, how does the Fed stay out if you get three percent growth? And we've been we've just chucked, you know, uh, a quarter trillion dollars of balance sheet at the problem also in the last couple of months. Any whisper of the Fed changing their tune, I think, will scuttle this whole thing.
9: The Fed's not changing their tune. The, the First off, if you get much past the first quarter, whatever the Fed does is going to look political. That's and so after saying, the last couple not going to do
1: anything in an election year. Right? Exactly.
9: Exactly. And, you know, so behind the scenes, they're going to continue to support the money markets. They're going to buy bills at the short end, which will gently expand the balance sheet and gently uh, cause the yield curve to continue steepening, both of which are very important for confidence.
5: Julian, when do we make the high in the
9: market? Can it be mid-year? It could be. Again, it really depends on the degree to which, for us, it's very important. Um, We actually think that global bond yields bottomed very significantly in August, September. And what we think is likely to happen for the first time in many years is that the public will see that there's the potential for capital losses in their bond funds. They'll see that how large their money market balances are. They'll shift into stocks. It just depends how quickly that occurs. We don't think it's likely to be sort of a whoosh. We think it's likely to be gradual, so stock prices could stay supported. Appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thank you. Happy holidays.
1: All right, Julian, you as well. Thank you. What do you guys think? Well, Base I, case
6: and best case are you know, far apart. But I think there's a lot to like right now. I, I think other than, or the, and there's really not a, a lot to dislike right now. Uh, other than short-term sentiment running really hot, uh, I think prices continue to move up and if you look under the hood, market breadth is extremely strong. We're seeing advanced decline line, making new highs. So we're not really seeing any divergences in the market right now, which I think is really key. So um, while this continues and, and the groups that are making 52 highs are just all over the place. It's consumer staples, it's tech, it's now it's agriculture stock. So, um, I think just you know riding the trend is is really where to be right now in the market until things change.
4: Yeah, I mean, I listen. Being bullish is being right this year without question. I mean, here we are at all time highs, but there are things. There is to be a concerned degree about. of
1: bullishness,
4: though, that Fair. one has to entertain, I, whether I, it's c- thirty four, fifty, or. Yeah, thirty nine fifty. I mean, in my world, thirty four hundred is a reach. Thirty nine fifty then is a serious reach. But you know, when you talk about uh, S and P market cap to GDP, we're talking about one hundred fifty percent. I mean, those are historic levels. Consumer debt, albeit at low interest rates, north of fifty percent. Even corporate debt is at ridiculous levels. A lot of things to be scared of, but it doesn't matter because the market goes up every day, and the market is the ultimate. Arbiter, it can, it's a way of making people that are trying to throw some cold water on this very foolish. Two things. If you just normalize where we went from in the fall of last year and kind of take it from November
0: levels, we, we're only up 13% on the year. In other words, that drawdown from year end and starting the year, basically, Gen 1, was artificially low. The, the numbers aren't as impressive, and that's good for the market.
1: Okay. Well, there is one part of the market that is sitting out this record rally, energy. Closing out of correction territory today, but it is the worst-performing sector of the year. So, what's in store as we head into the new year? Chartmaster Carter Worth is over at the plasma with more CB Dub.
3: So, practically uninvestable, as we all know, and yet not a bad year, up 7.84 uh, percent. You'd take that in any other year, but compared to, of course, the alternatives, it feels pretty sorry. In any event, the other thing is, it's not really a sector. We know of course that it's down to four percent of the S&P, but the top two stocks are basically 50 percent of the weight. So you're getting into a situation almost like AT&T and Verizon. It's Exxon and Chevron, effectively the sector, if you will. But 28 stocks in total, 1.2 trillion. Let's look at the long-term picture since the beginning of GIX data begins. In the dot-com era, Cisco was worth more than any other company in the world, and energy got down to 5 percent of the S&P. Right now, we are at four It's the lowest it's been, and the issue is, is it worth maybe a look? And I I think that that's exactly what it's going to be. It's not going to beat your Google over three years or Microsoft, but it it is worth a, a, a piece of money, and I think the lines draw themselves this way. Well defined downtrend line, and whether you want to call it head and shoulders, or you have this mirror image double bottom, or you want to do this, it has all the elements. And most importantly, let's get our zoom here. We have now moved above that downtrend line. That's exactly what industrials look like, and banks, same downtrend, before they came to life. This will not come to to life the way banks did industrials, but it has the elements of uh, legs here. I think you want to be long XLE, capture the whole group. Even though it isn't a group, it's only, frankly, a handful of stocks.
1: Then come on over. Um, You've... You've then changed your overall point of view on the market then. If, if you think no. that en- you think energy... Hold on. So
3: hold on. <laughs> you were <laughs> negative.
1: Weren't you negative? You were negative on the market. We were looking for a pullback. Yeah. But you think energy is going to have a, a, a breakout and the it's market's going to be negative? Issue, right.
3: Sometimes, it, look what happened to materials, which were lagging. What we know is that crude oil is its average price over the past decade. It's 60 bucks. It's not 28 bucks where it was in February of 16. That's going to be enough to support some of the equities here. Now, you either do two things. You find a real dog like a Halliburton and barbell it with a real winner like Hess. And I think that's the approach. Not just do the diggers, because those are dangerous, and not just play relative strength. You get a best in class, and you also find a real loser and paramount.
1: But if energy is going to do well, it's likely going to be as global growth improves which or it's is just money flow.
3: It's just money flow. I don't think it has to do with that. I think the fact is that $60 a barrel is enough to support the equity prices at this
0: level. Well, it may be money flow, but... Uh, but I, I'm not... No, that's Carter's answer is in line with what Carter effect does. Effect. He's talking about money flows. I, I will... So your point, though, is I will then add in some macro, and I'll say, first of all, I think the dollar's range-bound to lower. Uh, very good for energy prices. I think we have a reflation trade. Everything we're talking about with, with bond yield curves and what's going on with the Fed or lack of Fed. Um, and then you get into the fact that industrial production, which was highly constrained um, by a trade war by you know global cyclicality, um, even just ticks up a little bit. And then finally, in the energy sector, the lack of reinvestment into CapEx and OpEx means that you actually have supply pullbacks. Uh, you can't not reinvest in, in, in your facilities for five years, which is on a whole, I mean, it's generalization, but it's very good for prices. It's going to support
4: energy prices. It's interesting that Tim brings up the lower dollar. I mean, Newmont Mining today, just to get one step away. It's up 2% today. It's making like a three-and-a-half-year high, a number, name we've talked about for a while. And I'm with Carter on this one. It, he, I don't even think you have to be bullish in the broader market to think these names can go higher. And look at Schlumberger, a name we've mentioned yeah. now since October, yeah. which made a huge double bottom at 30 bucks. We pointed that out. Stocks up 30% in basically two-and-a-half months. That's a big move that can go higher from right, here and still be in a bear market. The, the
3: other side of that, if, if because energy is going up, it means you're bullish. It would be that if energy is going down, you're bearish. Energy is collapsing. What have equities done over the past five years? Gone straight up. The other side applies as well, right? How could the market have gone up if energy has been collapsing? Mm-hmm. That's the opposite of what you were saying.
1: Yeah, right? I hear you. Right. I was going to ask uh, LaVornia if he likes Schlumberger here, but you've saved I'm him. I'm sorry.
4: I saved apologize. saved from having to no, answer that I'm question. No, I'm sorry. I didn't know. I can't have cool that in your head.
1: it has got a pretty it's like cool I see name. you did
4: that, though. <laughs> he, he he, I literally was going to turn him, so you like Schlumberger here? Oh. He's got great pants. At some point tonight, Joe needs to stand up so we can see his pants. We'll, At some say, point. we'll send him to send the him over. and for Carter the final works. Can I just quickly. Mm-hmm. Look how handsome he looks with that haircut. My a
3: haircut God! Haircut a sweater. You know, well, it's and a sweater. Time. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I sweater.
0: Very hey, you. Yeah,
1: Get a round of applause. Yeah. All right, coming up, Apple is having its best year in a decade, and one analyst says the tech giant could see even more gains in 2020. We'll tell you why. And later, we're breaking out our 2020 playbook: the four things to nice. watch in retail as we head into the new year stick with us much more fast money is right after this welcome back to fast money the records keep falling for apple the stock hitting another all-time high today and we now have a new number one bull on the street wedbush's dan ives upping his price target on the stock to $350 a share. It's our call of the day. I've sank 5G. iPhones will drive a, quote, super cycle for Apple stock price over the next year. Those phones are expected to hit the market in September. Apple has already had an incredible 2019. This, though, implies another 25% upside.
0: Yeah, so this makes sense to you? Well, haven't we packed a super cycle into this stock since June when it's up 70%? So that's 70%. what I was asking people today at, at, okay. on the So How much of that is already in this stock? I, I, I think some. And even though everybody knows that the 5G story is supposed to be a 2H 21 story, it's something they're allowed to price in. The thing that, look, I'm Long Apple, I'm an investor in Apple, I, I i don't think you need to trade it too hard. But when we talk about, it was easy for me to talk about in June before the stock made this move, and even in August, that you should be putting a different, a blended multiple on the stock. You should value the hardware, you should value the services. Um, people are now looking at the digital business and they're looking at wearables. But at some point at 20 times forward, this is not a stock that needs to re-rate that much more anymore. Um, so I I like Apple, I stay long. Um, and this is not a knock on Dan
4: Eyes, by the way. Analysts have all been chasing themselves uphill on this one because they have to. Remember this time last year, I mean this stock has effectively doubled since this time last year. I mean it that's was a right. $148 stock or so. Now you see where we are. To Tim's point, you know, if they're gonna make close to fifteen dollars or so next year, you have a stock that's trading close to 20 times next year's numbers. That's probably a reasonable multiple for this company. Now, if people want to trip over themselves, that's fine. But, you know, we've talked about getting to 280 for a while now. Here we are. I think if you're buying it as a new position here, you t- you're trading wrong. And I think you should start to be peeling out of this name at this point. Scott, this is where you turned, oh, so, Well, you could turn to Christian. No, I thought you are going to turn to Joe. And, and if you'd like to ask host the questions. show, we can Please. flip out. I've I mean, got uh, an
1: iPhone
0: 7.
4: You want to switch seats? What's your point? <laughs> that you're ready for the upgrade?
1: <laughs> sure. Yeah.
4: All right. So, Joe, um, is I know, America I know ready you're for that stock, stock in the middle the seat?
0: No, you're not Hey, this is, this is these are candy canes here, folks. Um, Apple's impact uh, in terms of the markets, huh. in terms of the economy here.
5: We a year ago, we. We were on the show, I was on the show, we talked about Apple and the numbers weren't great because we're worried about China and the global economy. The US consumer looks really good. So I would say just in general, you have to probably pick the space, but you have very high savings, savings rates eight percent. You've got extraordinarily low debt service burden, unemployment is three and a half, a good chance it goes lower, wages are rising, think they're gonna rise faster, productivity might be picking up. I mean in general the things that people like to buy you think are going to do pretty well against that type of backdrop. Consumers should have anything to pick up steam. You got a price target? What do you want it to be? <laughs> 300 220 No, 221 Just kidding. Whatever it takes. Michael, Michael takes. Keaton, by
4: the way. Whatever. He yeah. looks a lot. Look at him.
5: Doesn't he resemble
4: yeah, yeah. Michael I mean, a handsome I, version I, of Michael Keaton. A Mr. Mom version Bat or a Bat Mr. Mom? I mean, I which version are we talking I'm
5: a Renaissance about? man guy. I could do both. I'm just saying. I could good for All you. Right, when, when Apple wins,
1: so do its suppliers. So if a bigger Apple breakout is coming, that could be a huge thing for a name like Skyworks.
0: What's your problem? I just love the, the kind of you want to switch chairs. <laughs> I like that. That was good. All right. It's a holiday season. Appreciate it. Skyworks
1: is already up 80 percent this year and options traders are betting on more gains ahead. What kind of activity are you seeing?
6: yeah and it's i you know it's really interesting because apple's been the big trade this year, but it's also been in the semiconductors and it's basically been one by one you know where we're seeing. Both option activity and just really nice, aggressive uh, upside price action. We've seen that with Taiwan Semiconductor. We've seen it with Corbo. We've also seen it with some other names like uh, like AMD. But Skyworks uh, is the latest one in the last couple weeks. And it, what we've seen is really um, steady option activity, aggressive, not going out too far. Um, just today, for example, we saw the January 120 calls go up. Uh, just the other day, we saw the February 120 calls go up. So there's been that sp- that steady activity, uh, and it's really ripped, uh, you know, to the upside. So, I, you know, I think right here, I mean, it's a very complicated technical pattern. We kind of have a little bit of a hockey stick uh, pattern over the last couple weeks. So I think it needs to kind of cool off a little bit and come back and retest. And I think 110 would be a great area to kind of um, revisit the name if it cools off just a bit. And then you can kind of spread out to, to February looking for up, further upside. Call spread makes sense to
5: you here? Sure, why not? Do two of them. I'm on. I'm going to. Turn in, I'm going to turn I know. into well, a trader. I I, got, that's fine. Now listen, I I got I, like okay, 16 I, minutes. I, yeah. I, <laughs> look, here's what I could tell you. If you look historically at the economy, just S and P, you could do levered. The, right before recession is up about 18 percent on average. So if the recession is not happening for a while, you got a lot of runway. All right. Well, for more options action, check out our live show this Friday,
1: 5:30 p.m. Eastern time. Are you on? Maybe. Are you on Friday. I'm here. Okay. Up next, some last-minute stocking stuffers. Four names to consider as we head into the holiday. First, though, 2020 Vision. We're breaking out our crystal ball to find out what's in store for retail in the new year. Stick with us. Fast Money's back right after this. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. Been a tough year for retail. The XRT ETF that tracks the space is underperforming the broader market. But could that all change in the new year? Courtney Reagan now takes a look at what's in store for 2020.
10: 2019 was a difficult year for retail with clear winners and losers. Expect the divergence to continue in 2020. First, the tariff divide. While the country's tariff schedule continues to evolve, brands and retailers aren't waiting to adapt, and some will do so easier than others. Big retailers like Target, Walmart, and Best Buy use scale and influence to keep prices low for shoppers by insisting the brands they buy from take on whatever higher cost result. It will hurt smaller, less powerful players. Second, old is new again. As the retail resale market grows, watch for more retailers to experiment with new ways of selling merchandise secondhand. As Gen Z focuses on more sustainable shopping, watch for retailers to deploy new consignment options, giving old merchandise second life. And third, new CEOs, new strategies. Many retailers have or will have new CEOs settle in in the new year, including Bed, Bath & Beyond, Nike, Under Armour, Tapestry and Gap. Investors wait to see if the new leaders will dramatically shift the strategies in new directions and then decide if they're willing to give them a chance to make change.
1: That was Courtney Reagan reporting. Do you have a quick comment? On yeah, something I do. Walmart at 20? Yes,
4: <laughs> yes, Scott. Walmart at 23 times forward earnings is ridiculous. Target's been catching up; it deserves to catch up. I think they're going to find each other at 20 times, and that makes sense. But in terms of trades, we pointed this out a couple weeks ago. That Macy's downgrade by Goldman Sachs came at the wrong time. They're going to be right. Their timing was miserable, like Bernstein's timing and FedEx was miserable. So if you're looking for a stock to go up 15% from here for a trade, letter M. Back to you. Thank you. All right. Up next, it's been a December to remember for a handful of stocks. So is now
1: the time to trim some of this month's biggest winners? We'll stick around to find out. We are live at the Nasdaq in Times Square. More fast money is still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. That is a beautiful live picture tonight. Rockefeller Plaza, the world's most famous Christmas tree, <coughs> skating rink, all trimmed, ready to go. question is, are you? Ugh. Or is it time to trim some of your big winners this year? Just look at a few of those some, this yeah, month's those standouts. Big. Western Digital, Wind Resorts, Under Armour, and the emerging markets. All having a strong December. So in honor of the holiday season, we're going to play a little game. Go. Ho, ho, ho. Or no, no, no. Here's how it works. If you like (laughs) one of these December winners, I'm going to give you one guess what it's going to be. It's going to be ho, ho, ho. Uh And this will happen.
2: No, no, no.
1: Well, that's if you think it's over. Then it's a no, no, no. So, so let's kick things off with this. The best
10: performing stock.
0: It's A weird ho, ho, ho. Sorry. (laughs) Western Digital. (laughs) Um, No, no, no. How about that? Um, I actually think that this is a stock uh, has had an enormous run. And at this point, I know we're repricing NAND and we're (laughs) Um, we're repricing DRAM. But I think you have a case here where uh, we've come too far too fast. Uh, I think you need to take a breather. It's certainly way overbought on a short term basis if you're looking at RSIs and whatnot. But I think the valuation has come a long way. I'd take a pause. All right. Did I do that right? Well, I don't know. As I said, no, 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 I feel, I feel like, like I should have been saying ho, ho, ho. I feel like we're on a roll. Let's continue. All right. What do you think? Let's All see. right. So let's
1: move on to the emerging markets. Outperforming the U.S. this month, up around 5%. Joe Livornia, what's your position on the EEM? Ho, ho, ho,
5: or no, no, no? I got a really bad joke, but I'm not going to say Sam. it. Ho, ho, ho. Why? The dollar is going to be weaker. And uh, global growth is getting synchronized. And if the Fed doesn't do anything, uh, risk assets should do well. And EM's got some relative value compared to a lot of other places. Okay. Nice Nice work. Next up,
1: check out Wind Resorts, up a little more than 16% this month. Christian, what's your take?
6: I'm going to go ho, ho, ho with this one. And I think uh, it's ho, got a lot ho, more to go. Uh, one of the things, if you, <laughs> if you look at uh, how win has traded the last few years, it's very streaky. Um, it goes up a lot, and then it goes down a lot. I think one of the things that's really helping the stock is they're talking about stimulus you know, out from China and, and Macau, and I think you know, it's got the wind at its backs right now. And if you can get out of this little sideways pattern, stay above 135, it's got some potential to, to really continue with momentum. Okay. Last but not least, mm-hmm. thankfully, Under
1: Armour up 14% wow. in December. It's hardcore. What do you do? You know, you're afternoon. a sports fan. I know that, Big Scott. So
4: recall back in the early 19th, uh, 20th century, Babe Ruth was sold to the New York Yankees to fund a production of No No Nanette. No, Did you know no, that? No. No. So my, no no Nanette was the play, yes. And my answer to this is also No No No. They made a no, mistake no, then. No. You're making a mistake now. At 45 <laughs> times forward earnings, if you're finding Under Armour, which you will, in the TJ Maxx Isles... <laughs> still too expensive so i would say no 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 scott mm. interesting
0: there a translation for what he just said no yeah. no no net um, sort of kind of know where he went there um giving the folks at home some. tj Maxx probably find everything discount though right the problem well so if you appear in the aisles of tj Maxx, your business is
4: toast i think if you appear en Moss, as much of this under armor garb is if you were to waltz kind in ubiquitous uh got it
1: Look, as much as we'd like this game to continue,
4: we got to go to break. Hard to believe. Well, executed. is it that time here? Yeah, it is. Oh, final five. trades
1: are next. It is time now for final trades as we go around the horn. Tim Seymour.
0: Yeah, I think you know. Carter had Cisco on one of his charts earlier as a reference to the dot com era. Cisco in this era is a security and software play that to me is ready to re-rate. Mega cap, big tech, like it. Cisco. Joey Pants. Joey pants. Love the pants on yes, Get a Yeah. Gotta look at those.
5: Higher yield, steeper Something curve, uh, strong economy should be very good for banks. There lo-f. they are. Look at X-Lf. that. XLF.
6: Christian. Nice. ALB, aggressive option activity in there today, and recapturing the 200-day moving average. we got,
4: got to wish all the fans a happy Hanukkah. Merry yeah, Christmas, right? Today's the 23rd. No show tomorrow. So Thank you, Joe. Christian, you. Amazing. Newmont my is going higher. Look at gold, man. Okay. Well, thank you. That does it for us on Fast Money, Mad
1: Money with our friend Jim Cramer starts right now.